Okay. Well, um, I don't know about you, but um, we talked about the storms this morning. Um, I spent my half term camping in Hereford. We will never do that again. Uh, we, we got onto our campsite in our camper van and I immediately bogged it down on a piece of grass that I shouldn't have been driving on. So we spent uh, the first night there at, at an angle. Um, but hey, um, we managed to get out um, and spend a, a couple of days somewhere else, which was great. Um, so that was my week last week. Um, Dion, where's Dion? Dion, can you just, uh, Dion shared this with me um, just before this service, and I just felt it, it fitted really well with what I want to say this morning. So um, she's very bravely going to come and stand up here with me and share this with you. Was I praying this morning? Is it on? Um, and um, I really felt God just sharing it with me and I sort of felt, is it just for me, Lord? And I felt it was something I wanted to share, but something said, write it down. So I wrote it down. And um, so um, um, it's in line with a lot of people have prayed and shared this morning. Um, I felt God was saying that he's Lord of all and he's sovereign. He will not give his glory to another. He reigns and he's really awesome and he's great and he does love us and he loves us so much. And for some of us, we don't actually realize just how big and wide and deep and awesome and precious and sensitive that love is to, that he has towards us and that he just longs to draw us closer and closer to him. And to, in that closeness and drawing to him, it's about wading in the river, in the river of his love. And some of us are ankle deep, some of us are knee deep, some of us are waist hype, some of us are sw swimming and wading in the water, but he longs to draw us deeper still. Because in the river, as we come, as we are, we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to get to a certain level before he accepts us. Just as we are, we can come. Because in his river, there is healing. Healing in our bodies. Healing for our minds. Healing for us to rise. Just to continue to come and find his mercy, his grace, and his awesome love. Amen. Hold that thought, okay? Um, be really good to us to kind of hold that in our hearts so I get to share what I have got to share with you this morning. And, and we're going to be looking at um, uh, a little bit in chapter uh, John, chapter 15, um, but mostly in chapter 16. And chapter 16 starts uh, with a promise of peace. It starts with a with uh, Jesus affirming peace over his disciples. And it, and it ends with, with this. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And I just want to, I just want to, I just want to pray that over you this morning before I start. Just, you know, as he bookends this chapter with, with the words of peace, I want, I want that peace to come and settle in that room in, into hearts this morning. So Holy Spirit, come and do that. 
Lord, we're filled with confidence that you are the God who has overcome the world. And Lord, we want to we wanna take that as our peace this morning. Whatever we're walking through at the moment, would your peace override, would your peace triumph in everything? In Jesus' name, amen. So we're con- continuing our, um, our look through the back half of um, John's Gospel. Um, it's our uh, unpacking uh, of this in uh, terms of who we are as a people of revival, a people holding out and hungry for revival to break out amongst us in this town and in this nation. And I'm going to be talking about joy this morning. I, this, is a, this is a subject I love to preach on. In fact, the very first time I preached, I preached on the subject of joy. Um, this is a different preach, by the way. Um, I have pinched the end bit, actually. Um, which you'll see a bit later on. But um, I love to preach on this. Um, So I'm hoping that we get to learn more about what it is to be uh, filled with the joy of Jesus this morning. So um, if you can open your Bibles up at John, uh, first of all, John 15, um, verse 26, and then we're going to jump to chapter 16, 16 to 24. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Chapter 16. A little while and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while and you will see me. Some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again a little while and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, what does this mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, Is this what you are asking yourselves, what I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish or joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask me nothing, nothing of me, Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, 
and you will receive that your joy may be full. Amen. What's noticeable about the latter part of John's gospel, particularly chapters 11 through to 17, is that if you have a Bible where Jesus' speech is highlighted in red, you'll, you'll notice that the red text increases considerably as we move through these chapters. Jesus is becoming more aware that the time of his death is approaching. There is now a greater urgency for him to give instruction. It's becoming the welfare of his beloved brothers as his departure approaches that is most on his mind. It's weighing heavier on him as he knows he needs to leave them prepared, informed and encouraged as much as possible. He has to deliver some pretty tough news. They're going to have to brace themselves for some anguish. There's going to be a grief that comes upon them and a pain that they're going to need to endure. He knows he can't beat around the bush. He needs them to know that there's a struggle ahead and that they have to be prepared to go through it. However, what he also gets to tell them with absolute certainty is there's an unimaginable joy coming. A joy waiting for them on the other side of the cross. A joy that if they remain in him will never be taken from them. An irrevocable joy that has conquered even death. An eternal joy that is theirs forever. We have to remember here that Jesus is speaking to men and women who were yet to experience the victory side of the cross. We're in the last hours before the crucifixion. There's an uncertainty and a real fear that remains with them. But he's able to tell them to hold on because although the night will be full of pain and struggle, joy is coming in the morning and your hearts will get to rejoice. Hallelujah. It seems such an obvious thing, doesn't it? But it's so important that we continually remind ourselves and encourage ourselves that we live on the victory side of the cross. Yeah? I think it's really important that we get to tell each other that as regularly as possible. Jesus helps them understand this process of pain to joy by using the analogy of childbirth. It's a genius, genius uh, analogy. And of course, this would have been a much closer to home analogy for um, first century Palestine. Infant uh, mortality rates would have been higher. There would have been a a huge risk uh, with childbirth back then. There would have been no pain control. Pain would have been immense. 
No gas and air, no epidurals, no warm birthing pools with scented candles. Childbirth would have been raw pain. It would have been a risky and uncertain thing. But you know what? This picture works really well still today, even now, in recent times. There's still a lot of pain involved. Sorry about that, Gail. (laughs) But when Jess was having Oliver, the back there, I remember she... Uh, whenever she had a contraction, she would squeeze my hand so hard it would go blue. There was real pain there. There was real uncertainty as well. With the chocolate machine in the corridor hold out after 36 hours of labor. And there was risk too. Should I have worn that white Nike? sweatshirt when patently there was going to be mess that never got war again what remains of course is the incredible joy of a new life coming into the world and Jesus recognizes that and that is indeed a cause for the heart to rejoice and we've we've experienced that um, recently here in our south family haven't we two babies we've got more to come But Jesus is, of course, referring to a joy in this passage that even surpasses the joy of a newborn child, a joy far greater than anything this world gets to offer. He tells them, in a little while, and you will see me no longer, and again, a little while, and you will see me, and it will be when you see me again, in my risen glory, that your joy will be full. Remember back in chapter 13, Jesus says this after Judas has left the room. Now is the Son of Man glorified. No other joy is going to compete with this joy. And it will be this joy that will never be taken from you. I need one of these holes in the lectern. Jesus is wanting his disciples to know that there is a joy coming like no other joy. A joy that cannot be found in this world because the world will simply not understand it. They will hate and persecute you because of it. But it will be this joy that gets to triumph in your lives. It will be this joy that will cause your hearts to rejoice through times of adversity and be your companion through every kind of trial, even your death. It will be this joy that ruins you for every other kind of joy. It will captivate you sustain you and singularly satisfy you and it will never be taken away from you. As I started to unpack my thoughts 
and put um, this word together for you this morning, I realized I had some big questions that I had to ask of myself, particularly as I'm going to need to ask them of you. I need to ask myself, is this joy a joy that I recognize? Is this joy familiar to me, or am I living another kind of joy? If this is a joy that promises to be constant and never leave me, why can this joy often feel absent? Is this joy, this joy is meant to be my fullness. Why is it I seldom don't feel full? If this joy is meant to deeply satisfy, why do I spend much of my time chasing after it? If this joy is meant to captivate me, why am I often distracted? Is the joy that Jesus promises here my joy right now? this is not my joy, am I living out my life with something fundamentally missing? If I'm not recognizing this as the constant and common joy that accompanies me through each day, is there something I'm simply not getting? Big questions and questions that are so important that we ask ourselves. And I'm sure I'm not alone in the room with some of these. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, says this, if we discover a desire within us that nothing in this world can satisfy, we should begin to wonder if perhaps we were created for another world. When I first read this, I thought this was Lewis, not this Lewis, Lewis I felt maybe that Lewis was being a bit self-indulgent. He can be a little bit like that in the way that he writes. But then I recalled that Jesus said this back in chapter 15. If you were of the world, it it would love you as your own. Instead, the world hates you because you are not of the world, because I have chosen you out of the world. Maybe Lewis is right. We were made for another world. We were chosen out of this world and into another, his eternal kingdom, his everlasting home where our joy never runs out and always satisfies. It must therefore be right that we were indeed made for something other than the fleeting, transient joys of this world. Joys that will only ever leave us longing to be fully satisfied. Lewis is telling us in this very astute soundbite that we will not find our joy in the chase. Instead, we will find him in the destination that we will not truly find our joy chasing after the pleasures and treasures 
of this world because we were not really made for them. We were made for his joy and that is now him. So why is it that we often choose to live our lives absent from that joy? Why does it seem easier sometimes to draw our joy from the convenient well of this world instead of the everlasting living well of his? Okay, so some helpful observations, hopefully. Maybe it's because irrevocable joy is meant to be an encounter and not a feeling. It often feels as if this world is obsessed with feelings, doesn't it? Advertising empires are built on feelings. How easy we can get fooled into thinking that if we're not feeling something, somehow we're lacking something. And if we're lacking something, we therefore have a right to feel something. I guess for some of us, joy at times can get centered around our feelings. Are our feelings dictating what our joy looks like in our lives? Is our measure of joy relative to our measure, say, of how safe we feel, how content we feel, how satisfied we feel? how financially secure we feel, how right we feel. Not looking at my wife at this point. How much pleasure we get to feel. How significant we feel. That's a big one, isn't it? How valued we feel. Could it be that our fleshly feelings are convincing us of what our joy should look like? Could it be that our needs are driving what joy is right now? Now, don't get me wrong. Feelings are a good thing. I'm a man. I've had to learn that. It's good to have feelings of joy. Let me make that clear. What we need to do, however, is to make sure that our feelings are not the engine of our joy, that our joy is not driven or dictated to by our needs and our feelings. Because the joy that Jesus is talking about in this passage, this joy that will never be taken away from us, is much more about encounter than feelings. Much more about the revelation of his glory, our wonder of it, the joy of his presence, the assurance of his might and power, our proximity to his supremacy, his authority, his steadfastness, his rule and reign. Our encounter with all of these things is our joy. Our feelings are not our joy. 
They're just a byproduct. If we go after the joy of Jesus in the same way that we go after other sources of satisfaction in our lives, we will fall short of being fully satisfied in him. Our needs, our wants, our desires, our fulfillments will be met fully, but only as a consequence of a joy encounter with him. Satisfaction is not a mere feeling. It's a state of being. John Piper is very famous for this quote. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. This has got to be a near perfect definition of the joy exchange between a loving God and a full-hearted, satisfied soul. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Let's not let the longings and cravings of this world set our pattern for the pursuit of our joy in him. Secondly, irrevocable joy is an invitation and not a search. With this crazy weather that we've been having recently, um, I was really surprised. Um, the other day I was sitting in my lounge and I was looking out the window at a, a, a flowering plant. Um, I guess it's a winter flowering plant. Um, there was frost on the roofs and on the, the decking, and there was a bumblebee flitting in and out of these uh, flowers. But it caught my attention because it didn't look right this time of year. Um, but I watched it and I realized actually um, as it went in and out of each flower and it kind of got its fill and then it went, it went to the next one and then it went to the next one and so on. I realized actually sometimes that looks like my pursuit of joy where, I, where a joy will run out and I then have to look for something else. I have to find something else. And I often lose my car keys in the house and it always seems to be at the moment um, when I need to leave and I'm late. Um, and so I'll ransack every room, I'll turn everything over and the place looks like it's been robbed. Um, and often, sometimes, our search for joy can look like that, can't it? But Jesus says this at the end of this passage, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. This is more than just a statement of truth. This is an invitation to irrevocable joy. Ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Jesus is saying, irrevocable joy is not about, oh, taste and see. 
It's not about try before you buy. It's about ask and you will receive. And this joy will be full and it will never be taken from you. For those who are not British in the room this morning, I apologise that if by living in this country you have lost the ability to ask and now feel obliged to wait to be asked. The British are very strange creatures. But this may not be your culture, but it certainly isn't the culture of kingdom. Irrevocable joy is an invitation to call off the endless search for joy in this world in order for us to fully know the unimaginable joy we have in his. Thirdly, irrevocable joy is a journey and not an experience. For our 25th wedding anniversary, we, we made a, a trip to New Zealand. Amazing trip. We had three weeks there. We spent most of our time, we spent two weeks in the South Island, which for me is by far the most beautiful of the two. And we traveled from place to place. Um, We did have a number of experiences booked in. We had a helicopter ride, um, whale watching. Um, We want to forget that one. White water rafting. We certainly want to forget that one. But they were amazing, um, and they were great to go on. But what um, I really loved about the experience of uh, the South Island of New Zealand was the journey. We had a number of um, B&Bs booked throughout the island, and we traveled from one to the other and made our way round. And it was the journey between them that was most amazing, that was most captivating driving through several different kind of climate changes and different um, environments um, in one small uh, island was just incredible. And you would drive around and you'd see a sight and your your jaw would drop and you would go, wow, you know, incredible, incredible scenery. And you think you'd seen it all and you'd drive around another mountain And it would be even more spectacular. And it went on and on and on. And our joy journey with Jesus is like that. We get to be filled with wonder time and time again. It can feel sometimes we often live our lives holding out for the next experience as if it's become just a series of highs and lows. Our bucket lists are now uh, our ultimate way of measuring our life achievements, aren't they? And we can end up saying to one another, where have all the years gone? They've flown by so fast. Maybe that's just my age. But maybe it's because we haven't really lived them. The journey 
passes us by at the expense of the experience. Our irrevocable joy founding him is much more about the journey than the experience. He longs for our companionship and we need to long for his. We need to stop and give him the time to reveal wonder after wonder to us. We need to give him time to allow the joy of his presence to captivate our gaze and marinate us. You know, Andy Woodward used this word a couple of weeks ago and um, I love this word. It's so descriptive. And you know what? Um, The process of marinating is one that takes time. Um, And that's a process that needs to be learned and experienced on the journey. We need to give time for the joy of his presence to marinate us, to soak us right through to our core. Finally, irrevocable joy, spirit revealed and spirit delivered. Verse 26 says, But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. This is Jesus now fully aware that his presence, that the presence of the Holy Spirit needs to become more significant than his earthly presence. He knows the time is coming where he needs to make way for another because the eternal purpose of the Holy Spirit can only be fully revealed when Jesus is fully glorified. This will now be the moment when the Spirit gets to finally point us to the risen, ascended and seated King of Heaven in the fullness of his glory and take joy from that. He is now our joy. It's now the spirit that gets to open up this channel of joy that freely and lavishly flows from this place. And the channel is fully open for us. We get to stand under the free-flowing gift of joy that can only come from the glorified Christ. Our measure of joy now gets to pass through the extraordinary, extravagant hands of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit now becomes our joy revealed and our joy delivered. We have to do is ask and receive. I want to finish with a story of a great joy encounter that I love to be reminded of regularly because it's so amazing. And it happened 350 years ago to a man called Blaise Pascal. There he is. Many of you all know him as a famous 17th century French mathematician who had a brilliant mind but also had a dark and troubled soul. 
He was a very sick and angry man for much of his life and battled furiously with the idea of a loving God until one night when the Spirit broke in and filled his room. And we know this because after his death, they found a small piece of parchment sewn into the inside of his jacket. And this is what was written on it. Year of Grace, 1654. Monday, 23rd of November, Feast of St. Clement. From about half past 10 at night to about half an hour after midnight, fire. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of philosophers and scholars, certitude, heartfelt joy, peace. God of Jesus Christ, God of Jesus Christ, my God and your God, joy, 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 tears of joy, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, may I never be separated from him. Wow. Isn't that wonderful? You know what? Encounters like that are also made available to each and every one of us. Whoever we are, whatever we've done, however cross we are with God, whether we know him or not, whatever hurt or pain we're feeling, however dark a place we are in, his heart would be to reach down and have us know a joy like that. Why don't we stand? I'm going to pray. But I just want us to have an opportunity now just to ask and receive. I realize when we gather a number of people like that, there are people that stand in different situations, have different uh, places that they're battling in and with. But actually, God's joy, the joy of Jesus, overrides all things. Fire, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of philosophers and scholars, certitude, heartfelt joy, peace, God of Jesus Christ, God of Jesus Christ, my God, your God, joy, 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 tears of joy, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, may I never be separated from him. Holy Spirit, come and show us a joy like that this morning. We don't want to settle for any more of the fleeting here today, gone tomorrow, joys of this world. We want to know the joy that triumphs over all joys, that triumphs over all circumstances of life, even death. Spirit, I want to pray your joy into every joyless heart right here.
every fear-filled situation, every struggle, every sadness, every challenge, every hardship, every battle, every wounded soul, every pain and every broken relationship, every disappointment. Would your joy come like a fire on every heart that is asking for it now? Come, Holy Spirit. Come and do that. Would our joy be you? Jesus, and only you. Amen. We're going to sing a final song. Are we going to sing a final song? Thank you. Um, if you feel you would like to be prayed for, let me encourage you to come. Uh, let's fill this space. There's plenty of room down the front. We're family. Um, this is what we do. We get to pray for each other. If there's um, a need for you to ask for joy right now in your life, there's something of that missing. Don't leave this building without being prayed for. Can I encourage you to do that? Okay. Let's sing. <laughs>